What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys. Powered by SB Nation, as always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis here. Get you covered all things Dallas Cowboys. And guess what, Aiden? I don't got to tell you this, but if you don't know, you need to check your pulse. It is a Cowboys game week, week one. Uh, We made it. We're here. We're going to preview it all today with you guys. So are you as pumped up as I am? I mean, I think that's a rhetorical question at this point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to recording this specific episode for a while where we actually get to preview a game. I will say I do love the fact that college football is one week earlier than the start of the NFL. I mean, I get there's a week zero in college football, but the real week one of college football is always a week before the NFL. That just gets me in the right mindset of I get to root for UT. I get to I don't have to be stressed about the kickoff of my two favorite football teams in the same week. I get to first be stressed about Texas and then next week. I get to be stressed about the Cowboys kickoff. <laughs> I enjoy it for the, for different reasons than that, but I just love like the little filler because that that gap now from the third preseason game to like when the next actual first football game is on Thursday night the seventh, it's too long for me. Like I know as a fan, I just want it now. I don't want to wait ten days or whatever it was. So that college football like just filler to me is is perfect. So. I was I sat on my couch and you know this isn't a plug they don't owe me anything I didn't we don't have a sponsorship but popped on the YouTube TV they had like the four quad box going and I was yep. back and forth I was I was in heaven yesterday like my wife wanted to go do something I'm like you could do anything you want but I'm sitting <laughs> on this couch and I'm watching football all day What do we think about is is Travis Hunter is he the Heisman favorite Man. already like I get Caleb Caleb Williams it's not like he did anything to necessarily lesson himself in the Heisman conversation, but yeah. I've never seen anything like that. That is wild. I mean, he's in the Heisman conversation right now, and I don't want to diminish him in any way, but he can't keep this pace up, right? No, like, there's, kid, no, there's way. no way he can play like 120 snaps a game, man. There's just no way. But what wouldn't that was it? I even tweeted it out. I'm like, this is the game that you like daydream about in May, right? Like you, you yeah. miss football. There's no football on. That's the type of back and forth hype Deion Sanders prime time the whole thing like that was like all right we're back we made it we survived it and like let's go like this is awesome we can loosely tie it to the Cowboys because it is Deion is Colorado legit do you are you believing in the Colorado hype or do you think this is just a bad TCU team (laughs) coming off their hangover from losing the national championship it's a great question I think you know they deserve every hype every bit of hype they're gonna get this week but I'm sure there'll be much tougher conversations and games to be had moving forward so yeah, I'm saying take it a week at a time because I think eventually they'll come down to earth. But, I mean, without a doubt, they're already a better football team than they were last year. I mean, they had one win last For year. Sure. might have been one of the worst teams in college football. So uh, it's fun to watch. It's it's good to see. Um, and so for me, that's uh, 
you know, I think it's something worth monitoring, but I don't know. It may be a little smoke and mirror right now. I agree. I'm just, I'm ready for, I'm excited football's back, man. I do think it was a, and as far as week one college football goes, it was okay. Like we're, we all, we always know week one college football is a little bit of a disappointment because it's the great teams beating up on the FBS teams yeah, or FCS teams. It was still okay. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of okay, but more than okay, right, is us being able to dive right into this football conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm pumped up. We get the Dallas Cowboys versus New York Giants on Sunday night football. We get to open it up um, with the music playing. The Sunday night football gives me, you know, a stomach ache every time I hear it because it usually means <laughs> a big moment or a big game. And, and guess what, Aiden? Uh, it is. It's a divisional opponent on the road, first night of the week. I mean, first uh, week of the night, whatever you want to say there. And uh, we got a big one here. We got Dak Prescott. We got the uh, new offense. We got this defense that we're expecting historic pace. Um, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty here, what is just your initial thoughts or feelings about this matchup? Yeah, high-level overview when Cowboys see the Giants on the schedule, at least for the last, I don't know, let's call it five, six years since Eli Manning's really been in his prime. It's Cowboys fans have marked it as an like, okay, that should be a winnable game. Maybe they don't win, but we're kind of chalking it up as a W. This year's different. I do think the Giants have been receiving a lot of hype, and I think a lot of that is deserved. Dable has the team right in a position where, like, I believe in the coaching style of Dable. I think he has Daniel Jones. We'll, we'll see how he's allowed Daniel Jones to progress from year one to year two. But in terms of, if you're just looking at this game on paper, it's a lot scarier than the Giants have been in past years. Absolutely. And let's kind of take a deeper look into this Giants team, because I agree, like um, we'll get into it deeply as we get here. But um, you're right. They got more talent. They're more formidable. The coaching is obviously much better than it was two years ago. And Brian Dayball has kind of changed that program a little bit. So let's take a little higher level look at this. Last year, they finished nine, seven and one third in the NFC East behind, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles and us, the Dallas Cowboys. Um they did make it to the playoffs. They lost in the divisional round to that said Eagles team, and it was an embarrassing fashion. But going from what they were under Joe Judge to being a playoff team to winning a playoff game and then getting to the divisional round is is definitely a one-year jump that's impressive. Um, the last meeting between these two teams came on November 24th, 2022, which was Thanksgiving. The Cowboys won 28-20. to 20, um, And all to, in all time, the Cowboys lead the series 73-47 and two ties. Okay. So um, there's obviously a lot of history there with the divisional. Is there anything that I said there that's kind of caught you off guard? Like how big this, you know, lead is historically or the, the day, the day ball situation coming in and really making a big difference in one year. Like what jumps out to you early? I don't know if it necessarily jumps out to me, but I don't want to diminish the fact that they did win a playoff game and it was an impressive win. I think the giants coming into the season with Dayball. Giants fans really didn't have much hope. They were most Giants fans are ready to give up on Daniel Jones if they didn't like he was he kind of had one foot out the door at that point. They were it was kind of like the Mitch Trubisky like eh, you can you you'll do what you can for this year, but then we're ready to look elsewhere. When they came out against the Vikings in that playoff game, the scoreboard doesn't tell you, but that offense specifically shredded the the Vikings defense. It's not saying a lot because the Vikings defense wasn't great last year. But that was an impressive win, especially first year under Dable, getting that playoff win. So you hear, yeah, they made it to the divisional round. They lost in the divisional round. For Cowboys fans, yeah, that sucks. We understand how bad it is to lose in the divisional round. For Giants fans, that's a, it's 
they so far exceeded expectations last season that they're riding high going into this year. I know that fan base believes in Dayball. That fan base is ready to give Dayon Jones an extra another shot this year. So it's like this team's riding high and deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I took away from it the same kind of stuff that you did. Like impressive turnaround. Uh, you feel like they, they got more than like probably the talent had, right? Like for them to come in and it felt like a perfect storm at that Minnesota Vikings game in the playoffs because it was like, okay, the Giants are hot. They seem to be clicking. Like there's some things that they're doing really well. And then there's the Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings element where like big games, they just seem to not, you know, put it all together. And that kind of rang true there. So I don't, even though it was an upset, I don't think many people were all that surprised that the Giants were able to pull it off. Uh, moving forward, kind of looking at the, the the personnel and the staff they have. We talked about head coach Brian Dayball going into his second year. So obviously his record as a head coach is what the Giants were last year, which was 9-7-1. and one. They had some interesting key additions, though. They added uh, tight end Darren Waller, which will be a big move, a big pickup for them via trade. Um, they signed Paris Campbell, wide receiver. Linebacker Bobby Okorike. Uh, cornerback Deontay Banks was drafted from Maryland and wide receiver Jalen Hyatt from uh, Tennessee was drafted as well. So they've had some some big high-level key additions there. I think they're excited about what Jalen Hyatt can do. I personally was pretty high on Deontay Banks throughout the draft process. And, and Darren Waller, when he's healthy, could be one of the league's best tight ends. Yeah, I think we'll d- I'll dive. I, I want to touch on more in, on Darren Waller in a future segment that we're going to talk about. But Jalen Hyatt, I don't think he comes... He doesn't play a huge factor in week one because it does take college receivers a little bit to ramp up to the NFL level. So I'm not expecting Jalen Hyde to come out with like a 152 touchdown game in the first game of the season. However, Cowboys fans, if you've heard the news coming out of Giants training camp, Jalen Hyatt looks fast and he looks dangerous and he's getting added to a Giants wide receiving core that doesn't have any weapons like they who would who would the Giants wide receiver one be out like Throwing like not considering Jalen Hyatt, assuming we'll factor into that mix. Like before the draft, who would their wide receiver one be? It's like Sterling maybe, Shepard. Maybe uh, he's coming off ACL, which I'll talk exactly. about later on. But Darius Slayton, I mean Darius Slate or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So it's like it's just that the point is is well received because their tight their yeah. wide receivers aren't all that impressive. So I just think Jalen Hyatt is a name that moving forward throughout this season, if he progresses the way that his athleticism will allow him to progress because this is a hyper-athletic guy coming out of Tennessee. The Giants got great value on him in the draft. He's definitely a name to watch out for. To By the end of the season, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Jalen Hyatt was the number one receiver on that team. Absolutely. And to kind of round off a little bit, uh, you know, round it up here and put a button on some of their off-season storylines, their key departures were center John Feliciano, Offensive lineman Nick Gates, wide receiver Richie James Jr. So they lost one of their wide receiver weapons that they had. Um, and defensive back Julian Love, who seemed to be a playmaker, but he went elsewhere in Seattle, I believe. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the totality of the Giants, right? We're looking at them, a team that overachieved in 2022, but now the bar is set to be a little higher in 2023 form. Year two, Daniel Jones gets the contract. Uh, Brian Dayball is, 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 you know, tasked with getting the most out of him. And historically, like we've seen with the numbers and like we, we know as Cowboys fans, the Cowboys have done really well against the Giants. And we're both, you know, expecting the Cowboys to be the inferior team here. Or, excuse me, the superior team here. But the inferior Giants is not a team that we can sleep on. So I want to no. ask you, um, kind of moving on to the specifics of this game, who is a player on the Giants that you're prepared to watch for? Like, who do you need to pay attention to? And the Cowboys have to be like, listen, don't let this guy get going. 
the and this is why I wanted to save it for this specific segment. It's Darren Waller because if you've heard yep. the news coming out of Giants training camp, I'm I'm not sure like if this was a tongue in cheek report or if this is an actual thing. When Darren Waller came off the field, the beat reporters were wondering. Are they taking Darren Waller off the field to give him a break? Or are they taking Darren Waller off the field because they want to force Daniel Jones to throw the ball somewhere other than Darren Waller? Darren Waller has immediately become Daniel Jones' number one target. We know the talent is there with Darren Waller. His the end of uh his time in Oklahoma in sorry, Las Vegas now didn't end great, but we do know he's a hyper athletic tight end that for as we just mentioned, a receiving core that doesn't have any weapons. This is going to be Daniel Jones' number one weapon coming out the gate. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended the game in the ballpark of like 10, 11 targets. So especially when you're looking at a Cowboys linebacking core, which I mean, we have our questions about. We trust Damone Clark. We trust Leighton Van Der Esch. Devin Harper, to a lesser extent, he'll, ha- he'll have his moments. But like, how are they able to cover the tight end? Because if you look at last season, if you were going to beat the Cowboys through the air, it was easier to beat them through the air with the tight end than targeting the receivers. So I'm very interested to see how the Cowboys account for the Giants' number one target being Darren Waller. It wouldn't surprise me if they used a slot cornerback on him because, I mean, I'm fine if the Cowboys, like, play one-on-one with, like, the names you mentioned, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. We can play one-on-one with them. It's Darren Waller that you have to be concerned about, and I do want to know how the Cowboys account for him. Yeah, that's definitely their biggest threat. I mean, like you said, you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. His future prospects is exciting. They have some guys, like we mentioned Paris Campbell, and we'll see what Sterling Shepard could look like, and I will talk about him later on. But you're right. Their number one guy is Darren Waller. And for any quarterback, right, for across the board, your tight end is your best friend. So when you got an elite-level guy, when he's healthy, Darren Waller is one of those guys. So make no mistake about it. Like, if you're going to be partial and you're going to be fair about it, Darren Waller was a great move for this Giants team. And this Giants team is going to be better for having him here. So that becomes Cowboys problem in week one. You know, so for me, that was the obvious answer. And I knew that I had a feeling that, you know, letting you go first, that may be the pick. So (laughs) I had to have a second guy ready to go. And I do. It's uh, I'm going the other side of the ball and it's Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that guy oh, is, is that your guy too? Or you had him in there? That was another segment we're going to talk about. Here's yeah, my pick. That's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it brief because, you know, kind of like what you said about Darren Waller, playmaker ability. This guy has the chance to um, do some scary stuff. I don't think he's really scratched the surface. Um, I, I'm nervous to see because I, I, Terrence Steele just got paid. We're recording this on Sunday. He got paid about an hour ago. We got a big new contract. So I'm sure over the blog and boys network, we'll have that covered, but that's a tough assignment for Steele coming off an ACL knee repair there. And even on the left side, if he's going against Tyron Smith, he's he's not the Tyron Smith of old. I still think he's capable, highly capable. But it's Kayvon Thibodeau's got that rare ability. He was a top five pick guy, um, talent out of Oregon. Um, they have some weapons on the defensive side of the ball. They added Isaiah Simmons. They got some other guys that can rush the passer. Uh, but Kayvon Thibodeau, if he can take that second or third year, whatever that, that leap right to now you're not a rookie. Let's get, let's move forward here and see what he can evolve to. And I think that coming out the gate in front of the big lights, he seems like a guy to me that when the, the, the the lights are brightest, that's when he wants to kind of shine the most. Yeah. I think out of last year's edge defenders, Kayvon Thibodeau was for my money, the second best outside of Aiden Aiden Hutchinson. So you're completely right. The talent is absolutely there. We saw him flash at times. Dealt with, dealt with injuries last season. That diminished a little bit of what he was able to do in his rookie year. But Kayvon is the real deal. 
And as we've talked about all offseason, if this Cowboys team has a flaw, it's going to it's going to be that offensive line. I mean, the front five went healthy. We all trust in them. But in terms of our other positional groups, absolutely, it's the least deep. And so it's going to be tested week one with Kayvon Thibodeau. Granted, not tested as much as if you're playing a full defensive line that just had like they'll be tested more when they play the Eagles defensive line. But week one, you're right. You have to be watching Kayvon Thibodeau, specifically seeing how I, they'll probably line him up against Terrence Steele a lot, seeing how Terrence Steele is able to handle him, specifically Terrence Steele coming off that injury. We haven't seen Terrence Steele in-game action yet, so there is reason to be concerned that the Cowboys can be... The Kayvon Thibodeau might have a leg up on the Cowboys in this one. Absolutely. I mean, and like like I said, I anticipate the Cowboys to have a plan and be ready to attack. I Like I said earlier, the Cowboys are a better football team. I think, you know, they have better coaching, in my opinion. I know Dayball is like a young up-and-comer guy who's, you know, new on the scene. He's doing really good things. But I think there's going to be a plan of attack. They're going to neutralize their biggest threats, and I think ultimately the better team will win this football game, and we'll get to that later on. But, um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, Darren Waller, if those guys go off like we anticipate or – you know, or they have a tough time containing them, it's going to be a challenge for the Cowboys. So I think the reason why we both mentioned those guys is because of the potential game-wrecking ability that both guys possess. Um, with that being said, um, those are the obvious ones. In this next segment, I kind of want to ask you, who is someone we cannot afford to forget about? This is somebody that may not be, you know, in the forefront, a star, but somebody you're saying, hey, if this guy gets hot, gets going, you can be like, oh, man, this guy really kind of changed the complexion of week one for us. On the Giants specifically, I assume. That's what I was thinking. But we, if you've got a Cowboy, that's totally fine as well. Now, in terms of somebody we shouldn't forget about, let's go. I'm going to go with the name we've talked about in passing a couple times. Darius Slayton at, you know what? No, let's go with Daniel Jones. I'm not going to, let's not mess around with this question. Daniel Jones is a name that all offseason, I think, uh, unrightfully so, me and you have been pushing back on the fact that Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott are starting to be talked about in the same tier, which we find absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. for anybody doing quarterback rankings, don't you <laughs> dare put them in the same tier because they are not in the same tier. Yeah. However, as we mentioned, Dayball in his first year clearly allowed Daniel Jones to take the next step into a serviceable quarterback range. If Dayball is able to have that same progression with Daniel Jones from year one to year two, I mean, we could be looking at an not upper echelon, but an above average quarterback who is able to not I, w- I wouldn't say change the game, but at least like the Eli Manning, where you have to respect him. You have to know that he can come out and he's going to have his moments and you have to like you have to pay attention to like this quarterback at any given time is going to at least keep your team in the game. You might not be winning it single handedly, but he's going to keep the Cowboys in this one. So I'm very interested to see what Dayball has done with Daniel Jones from year one, year two, knowing what he did from when he got hired to year one. Like this is the full, this is the first full off season that they've had together. I'm Daniel Jones's name. We, we should be talking about because we don't really know what this quarterback is going to look like, especially after getting paid. I mean, maybe the confidence is there. Maybe Daniel Jones looks like a borderline ish top 12 quarterback. That That'd be scary enough for me to like, don't pay it. Don't don't sleep on Daniel Jones, which is weird because, yeah, we have been pushing against pushing back against the Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones comparisons. I mean, to kind of piggyback off of that, I think it's fair to say what you said in totality. You don't even have to hedge it at all because Daniel Jones, you can acknowledge that he's a he's a quality quarterback, right? He's somebody that you can you can yeah. win with. Um, 
but understand that we think that Dak Prescott's in a higher tier, which I think is totally acceptable. And I think most sane people believe that to be true. On the other side of it, Daniel Jones hasn't had a great cast of characters with him. You add a Darren Waller, you get some of these guys back healthy, you add a Jalen Hyatt, like we mentioned, the, the, the ability could really show out, you know, moving forward. And I think with the contract they gave him with the four year, whatever it was, 160 million, 140 million, whatever it was, they believe and they're betting on that future. Now, what scares me about Daniel Jones is, is the one thing about him is he's always been able to run. He's always had good athletic yep. ability. He's been able to escape the pocket. He's he's been able to be a threat with his legs. If if his passing game rounds into form and he's somebody that can kind of spray the ball around the field, be accurate and have some weapons, then you're talking about a different level and, and a tier we hadn't seen from him yet. But with that being said, I want to talk about a forgotten weapon that we had spoken about. And this is kind of like deep back. Like this is X factor. Like he's got who knows what week one looks like, but I'm going to say Sterling Shepard. The last time Sterling Shepard stepped on the field, it was Monday night against the Cowboys last year. He tore his ACL late in the game, and this will be the first time he's going to see regular season action since. Now, coming back from an ACL injury, we see what that did for Michael Gallup. He probably won't be 100%, probably won't get a full workload there. But people seem to forget that this kid, when he's healthy, is, is a playmaker. Like, it used to be him, Odell Beckham, a really scary duo there. Now, he's a little longer in the tooth. He's got injuries, and, and you know, there's other young guys that people are excited about. But I think it makes a perfect don't-forget-about-him candidate because it's he's going to end up inside against, you know, Deron Bland or maybe on a fourth cornerback at some point. And if his legs are good and he's ready to rock, he's going to do a lot of underneath things. He's going to get the balls in, ball in space, and he's going to make plays. I don't expect him to be a absolute like pivotal, you know, pivotal point and play 100% of the offensive snaps or anything like that. But I think given his opportunities, if we don't treat him with the proper respect, I think Shepard could burn us and he has burned us in the past. I do want to throw in, in that exact same vein, I do want to throw out the name Wandale Robinson because of the fact that if you look at the secondary, Jaron Curse, uh, Donovan Wilson, Diggs, Gilmore, Bland, they are all. They all have great athleticism, but none of them are burners. Obviously, Gilmore's Gilmore's getting up there in age. Trayvon Diggs has never been known as the fastest cornerback. Like he's 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 plays he plays his coverage well, but he's never been exceptionally speedy. Bland's obviously the slot corner, and then you look at Curse Dono. None of those guys are exceptionally fast. So if you're going to beat the Cowboys secondary, you're most likely going to beat them with speed. And so when I'm looking at this Giants wide receiving core, I'm looking for just the fastest receiver, and that's Wondell Robinson out of the slot, who did shine at times last year. He's still young. He did. Maybe he takes that step up again. So that'd be that'd be a name if if you're throwing out a deep receiver like Wondell. Who knows? Maybe he's fast enough to beat the like. Think about the Kadarius Tony. What was that like? Twelve reception game yeah. two years ago. It's something so, in the vein of that. And you know, it's it's funny because Wandell did flash a little bit before getting injured, right? I mean, he was a guy that showed yeah. ability in the same way that Kadarius Tony showed ability before he got sent off to Kansas City and really got to show <laughs> the most of his ability. So um, exactly, there, there are guys and there are people that. That's the part that. You wait a whole offseason, you focus on like the stars of a team and you say, let's not let this guy beat us. Let's not let this guy beat us. And then it's always with the Cowboys. It's some obscure dude that comes out and makes big plays. And you're like, why didn't we think about this guy? And you know who has that written about him too? Um, Paris Campbell. I know he's one of their bigger yep, signings. There you but go. You know, he's a guy that can be like, oh, you know, he's he's having trouble or whatever. I don't know. He's giving us trouble. But, you know, now, so those are, sorry, go ahead. 
quick question because we've now hit on at times we hit on Shepard, we've hit on Wanda, we've hit on Paris Campbell. We I mentioned uh Jalen Hyatt at the beginning. Do you think they just have it's like the same situation of like the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Do you think it's yeah. similar with the Giants where like they have six receiver six number one receivers, so they really have none? Like are we yeah. just we don't know who to focus is on? Is our second is our secondary yeah. just gonna completely shut them down and we're just making too much noise about be. the receiving core? It could yeah. be, but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be so cowboys for them to let like a a, a, a rookie or somebody like make his mark on us like Christian Watkins yeah. last year? You know? Like yeah. oh Christian there Watson, sorry, yeah. He you know, my man what did he go? Three touchdowns and a hundred plus in against the Packers, and they they were struggling, saying that Rodgers didn't even want to throw him the football. So the Cowboys are star makers, trust me. So <laughs> no, but you know, kind of in the same vein there. So we wrap it up. I had you had Daniel Jones, which is a hell of a pick. It's a great pick, and I went with Sterling Shepard, a little bit more obscure, but I think both guys have a chance to really you know do some damage if not taken seriously, especially Daniel Jones. Um, but. I had talked about X factors, but I want to specifically speak about X factors. Who is your biggest X factor on each side? So we had we had focused on the Giants, but let's throw the Cowboys into the mix here. As far as X factors, and and the way that I understand, because I write an X factor article for Blog of the Boys, and the way Dave, shout out Dave Halpern, the founder of Blog of the Boys, wants it is somebody. It's too easy to go Michael Parsons. It's too easy to go Dak Prescott. Like who is the X factor that somebody's not thinking about that is going to have a deep you know, pivotal impact on this game. And if you want me to go first to give you time to think, I can, but it's up to you. I will let you go first because my X Factor was it's not obscure at all. So <laughs> I'll let you go first. I'll rethink. Okay. This one has been the talk of camp. Okay. All camp. Everyone's been talking about him. I'm going to say Jalen Tolbert. Your wide receiver four, just out of the shadow enough, right? Where if he shows up big time, he can have a Cedric Wilson type impact. The Cowboys fans feel really good about their former third round pick. And everything we saw in training camp is the real deal when it comes to him. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com. 
if he has a big game in week one, we're feeling really high and good about this Cowboys offense. If he goes out there and, and doesn't play well and it's not, you know, really impressive, it doesn't even have to produce crazy numbers. If he's just not a factor whatsoever in the offense or he's, you know, some same old same, I think some of the creep crawls in the back of the minds of Cowboys Nation. So I think his play is an X factor, not only for week one, but it's a big X factor for the season as a whole. If I go on to the giant side of it, this guy's much more mainstream name, a bigger name. And this is Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for the Giants. And the reason why he's an X factor is because he's a he's a high money guy at a high money position who Micah Parsons loves embarrassing. So Andrew Thomas, if he's able to go out there and I remember, I don't know if you remember the tweet where Micah Parsons said, this is your number one guy. I lined up against them the whole night and I embarrassed them. And now it's on Thanksgiving. And he did it on a national stage. It, <laughs> I'm a guy who don't play at a professional level. If somebody ever spoke about me in that light, like I'd have a personal vendetta moving forward every time. So the Andrew Thomas, can he stop Micah Parsons? Can he stop any of the pass rushes? Like I know he's a, a top tier guy, but I think the X factor is him in this offensive line as a whole. Can they stop Micah? Can they stop Marcus Lawrence? And in the best one, it's going to start with him. If Micah looks like he has in camp, it doesn't matter if Andrew Thomas or the greatest created man on earth, right? If they put together, you know, the five best traits of a human being, I don't think they could stop Micah Parsons right now. But that is my X factor on both sides of the ball. Tolbert, Andrew Thomas, Andrew, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. Aiden, what say you? I think you nailed the Tolbert pick because I think the Giants are much more susceptible to being beat through the air than the Pets. Like, if the Cowboys are going to win this game, I think it's more likely that it's going to happen on the back of, like, a 300-yard passing game from Dak than it is a 120-150 yard rushing game for Pollard. So I think you nailed it with the Tolbert pick. I, I think you got I'm not. This isn't my pick, but I think in, this, in a similar vein, you could say Gallup. How does he come out? I mean, we've, we, we're... A lot of Cowboys fans are kind of resting on the assumption that he's going to return to form-ish this season after another offseason of getting healthy. So mm -hmm. it is going to be very interesting to how he plays to see how he plays in week one. I am going to say because of how hard it because of the fact that it's harder to beat the Giants on the ground, I am interested. I I think my X factor, Tony, your guy, I'm going to make it Rico Dowdle. Because we know Tony wow. Pollard's going to be able to get to the outside. He's going to be able to break open some big plays. But then, I mean, for the first time in since 2015, yeah, since 2015, the Cowboys don't have Zeke. And so when you're at third and one, and I mean, when we're on the goal line and Mike McCarthy just needs one yard to punch it in for a touchdown, I don't I don't think it's Tony Pollard. I think it's going to be Rico Dowdle coming into the backfield. Can Rico Dowdle square up? And you know what? I'll just roll, out, roll into both my X factors because I want to make my X factor in, in a similar vein. Mm -hmm. I'm making it for the Giants, the duo of um, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Floyd, because mm. to me, that's just like, that is an incredible defensive tackle duo that, I mean, the Cowboys are going to have to, they're going to have to get something going on the ground to win this game. Yeah. And so I'm going to make like my X factors kind of like the two groups interior competing guys. against each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the running backs versus how you fare against their defensive interior. I mean, to me, I don't think this is going to decide the game because like I said, you nailed it with a Tolbert pick. It's more likely to going to come through the air, but when the Cowboys need a yard, when it's third and short, when Mike McCarthy doesn't want to get cute and he just wants to run it up the gut. A, I think Dowdle's going to be that guy. Can he beat names like Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams? Like that is two of the best defensive interior players in football. We'll see. I mean, 
it's scary to think it's scary to go into this game not having Zeke because for all of Zeke's shortcomings in the last few years, he was an automatic one yard guy. You'd never had to worry about him for the first time in a long time. We don't have that. Yeah. So what is it? Are, are you more likely to go Dak quarterback sneak now? I probably not. I think it's going to come down to Dowdle. Can you just beat these guys? We need one yard. We know you're young. We know you're unproven, but you're now the running back too. Congratulations. Now go out there, beat Dexter Lawrence, beat Leonard Williams. Yeah. Let's pick up a few yards. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think this it's sound reasoning, right? Because I think you can even look at those guys in the interior when it comes to the pass protection too, right? I mean, we we trust and we believe yep. in in Zach Martin, but and Tyler Biars is coming off a Pro Bowl year, and a lot of people are singing the praises of him and that he should be getting a contract soon. But you know, Tyler Smith, full time left guard, a little different than he was at left tackle. I think a lot of people believe in his ability, but there are a lot of question marks. You talk about the question marks at running back, and I think most of our question marks, but if not 90% of our question marks are on the offensive line, right? Like does Tyler, yep. Tyler Smith transition inside? Well, does Tyron Smith stay healthy? You know, what does Terrence Steele look like at your right tackle? So to you to speak about the interior specifically, it's on the money. I mean, it's great analysis because that's where everything is won. You want a clean pocket. It's not even about the edges, right? Like where the pass rush comes out the edge. You need a clean pocket up the middle. Dak Prescott to be able to step up, to read, you know, to get a clean throw off. And, and if he's in his lap, if Tyler Biotis is having trouble with Leonard Williams and he's having trouble with these bigger guys up the middle, it, it's going to be a nightmare situation for them. And, you know, we have a good defense, but the name of the game of football is scoring points, right? You got to score and you got to win in that vein. And we we saw it last year and this hour season ended. Defense hold them to what, 19 points and we can only muster up 12. And the next thing, you know, we're going home. And, um, you know, that was the last, you know, taste on our on our tongue there when it comes to Cowboys offense. And you hope for a different fate in week one. Yeah. And everything we've heard about this, quote unquote, Texas Coast offense that McCarthy wants to run is. It's very quick reads. It's one, two, Dak, scan the field. If nothing's there, we want you to pull the ball and run. And if you know Dak Prescott, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to try and beat you to the outside, pick up eight yards, rushing to the edge. If Dak Prescott is going to run the ball, it's going to be one, two, drop back. Nothing's there. I'm going to take it up the middle, hopefully slide before a linebacker before getting crushed by a defensive interior player. In order to do so, that requires Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, I have the utmost faith in Zach Martin, but like you mentioned, Tyler Smith, they have to at least hold their blocks for enough time for Dak Prescott to, to get past those defensive interior players before getting crushed. And so if Dak's going to scramble more, which I maybe is the case, I mean, we still don't know what this Texas Coast offense exactly looks like, but if that is the case, that's going to require the defensive interior players to be held for at least three, four seconds, which is a tall task when you're going up against the names that we've been talking about. Absolutely. It's it's going to be fun. I mean, more so than anything, right? Like we want our Cowboys to win, but having this type of level of football back and against the divisional opponent, like um, it's it's going to be fun to watch because there is a lot of talent there. There is some, um, you know, some intriguing matchups and things that are really going to be. And I always speak about this and I, I, I hate to sound like a football snob, but there's always the game within the game, right? There's you can look at the final score, you can look at the box score and say, wow, somebody X and Y had a good game or a bad game. And you don't realize that like there's so much more that goes into it. And I think this is one of those little matchups where, you know, you got a baldy breakdown on Monday and he's talking about like what like Micah Parsons did against Andrew Thomas or wasn't able to do against Andrew Thomas. And that's when you really see like the real work that took place in order for us to either get to one and oh or oh and one. I do want to, because I forgot to mention this 
I almost made Evan Neal my X factor because of the exact same reasons you mentioned for yeah. Andrew Thomas. Evan Neal, I think, is much more susceptible to being beat. Obviously, Andrew Thomas is one of the best young tackles in football right now. Do you think the Cowboys just try to take advantage of Evan Neal and just say, all right, Micah, it's you versus Evan Neal literally all game? I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, you handle your own with Andrew Thomas. We trust you to do that. But we're going to put Mike up against the weaker tackle, and they just completely try and uh, destroy the Giants' plans through Evan Neal? I it, I would. That's what I would do. Yeah. But we, we've seen, like I said earlier, you know, Michael Parsons line up on Thanksgiving and go against their best guy the whole time. And I think it felt like a personal yeah. vendetta. Excuse me. But at the end of the day, like you, we do kind of see them do like side based stuff, right? Where like you always kind of see Demarcus Lawrence lined up against the right tackle and, and Mike is more on the, on the left side playing against the left tackle there. So um, I would, you know, if you, if you got a clear blood in the water type of situation, I'm putting the guy who's hungry over there to get him. So We'll see. That was 2022. We'll see what 2023 looks like because you're right. If if Evan Neal is going to look over there and he's got that big gulp in his throat because it's Michael Parsons <laughs> every passing down, I think you can break him down, and I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and Evan Neal is like, he did progress over the back half of 2022. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's we'll I see. think, you know, Michael Parsons is going to get his no matter what. So <laughs> it's, it's not like saying. it really matters where you line him up. Yeah. Are we... Are we crazy that we're now like I get 35-ish minutes into the show and we haven't even mentioned the name Saquon Barkley? Because that was going to be my quote-unquote X factor before yeah. we had to, to, to... Should we just spend a couple minutes talking about Saquon Barkley and the fact that, I mean, if Mozzie isn't up to starter level yet, which, I mean, he looked better in the third preseason game, but he's still not... I mean, he's probably not going to be the week one starter. Are, are we scared about the rushing game still or the run defense still? I think it's one of the biggest question marks. I think we have three main question marks, right? Offensive line, kicker, and the run defense. I think those are the three things that Cowboys fans worry the most about, and I think they're all legitimate, valid reasons to be worried. Um, I think why we haven't spoken about Saquon Barkley in a roundabout way is out of respect because he's just, he is who he is. You don't even got to go down there. You know, Saquon's going to do his thing. He's going to you know get his numbers. He's going to get his touches. And, and as far as I'm concerned, the other stuff is more of a factor than he is because he is their offense. If if he he's going to go out there, like I said, and go and get his, but if the other things happen as well, then we're in trouble. You know what I mean? Because I expect Saquon Gar- Barkley to break off some big runs. He may score a touchdown. He may look impressive. There's things that he does when healthy that he's like one of the best guys in the whole league. So if you get that plus Daniel Jones looking good or a plus a Jalen Hyatt breaking through, then like, oh man, like now we're looking at, you know, a tough week one matchup, even tougher than we thought. So, yeah, we we didn't forget about Saquon because he's forgettable. We forgot about him because you just pencil him in as a stud. I just I think the way that this, as I mentioned before, I don't think the Cowboys are going to win on the back of Tony Pollard. I think they're going to win on the back of Dak Prescott. I think it's the inverse for the Giants. If they're going to win, it's going to be a Saquon Barkley, like 175 rushing yard game where it's just like, Three yards of carry, five yards of carry, six yards, like just constant ripping off like Cowboys. It's not like they're getting gashed by like 20 yard runs, but they're constantly making it to the second level where LVE's making all the plays. Marquis Bell's making all the plays. Jaron Curse, instead of the Hankins, um, Osa, Mozzie, hopefully a little bit. So I think that that scares me a little bit to think that week one, our run defense is going to be tested by one of the best running backs we're going to see this year. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think it's fair. And let's kind of roll this conversation into this next segment here because you can touch on it in the second half. So we'll start in the first half here. It's point blank period. What needs to happen for the Cowboys to win? And as you can say on the back end of that, and we'll get to it after, is how do the Cowboys lose this? And maybe what you just touched on will kind of be more piggyback off of that. But more directly, I'll ask you, what needs to happen for the Cowboys to win on Sunday night? I hate giving this answer because we've talked all offseason about how the interception numbers were so overblown for Dak Prescott, and I couldn't care less about the 15 interceptions. It's going to come down in 2023. Almost assuredly, I'd be willing to bet that it, he finishes around the 10 number, which is what we all talked about, and which is a very average number for an NFL quarterback. But what needs to happen for the Cowboys to win? I just protect the football. You're the more talented team. You're the more talented defense. You're the more talented offense. You are just flat out the better team. You mentioned, I think coaching is similar. I might actually give it to Dayball, but I do love Mike McCarthy. But so in almost every facet of the game, you're better than the Giants. Just don't kill yourself. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. And this comes down to penalties and more importantly, interceptions. Penalties, they seem to do significantly better in 2022 out of nowhere. So I'm not as worried about that. But I mean, if you see two interceptions and a fumble specifically early like remember the texans game last year where it was like why are we just giving them the ball like on three straight possessions you just hand the ball over to the texans and now it's a dog fight against the worst team in football to me giants aren't the worst team in football but that's how i like in order for the cowboys to win just protect the football don't shoot yourselves in the foot and this should be like this is a complete winnable game just don't kill yourself yeah and you know we're speaking about week one specifically but i think that sentiment rings true all year right i think in a lot of you know i think and but that's i kind of want to jump piggyback off of that because i feel the same way like if this team is able to just go out every week and just play like the team that they are i think they'll not only be in every game have a chance to win every game and and so it's not going to be perfect like that every there's going to be stinkers we saw like the denver broncos games of the past where like unexplainable it doesn't make sense but i've said it for a few years now that i've been with blogging the boys this this team is going to be the team that we think they are when they go into a game knowing they're the better team and just show us it from from snap one right like there's been so many times where like we think this team is the real deal we think this team's going to respond but they don't respond or do it the way that we think that this team is capable of doing it so if they come out and obviously have a ton of respect for the Giants. We just spent about 40 minutes talking about how good and formidable this opponent is. I don't think anybody should make any mistake that the Cowboys are not the better football team here. Like this is a hundred percent fact that the Cowboys are a better team. Vegas has the Cowboys as three and a half um, point favorites on the road in primetime Sunday night. That should tell you something when Vegas leans like that, even if it is like a small marginal number, but at the same time, you know, kind of to piggyback off of that, it really does start with like mistake-free football and it really does start not even just with turnovers, right? Like I'm talking stupid penalties, Sam Williams, you know, not doing, you know, personal fouls or Jalen Tober making sure he lines up on side. Like I say it every week and I'll, you know, sound like a broken record by the end of the year. This team beats themselves better than anybody can beat them. And and if, yeah. if we continue to see that, then we'll continue to have these hair pulling moments where we're sitting here like this team is too good to be acting like this. Uh, I need to see it from week one. I would, for some reason, it's been finicky in week one the last few years. I know the Giants feels like the cure all, but if they can go out there and just you know, do the do the damn thing week one, I think a lot of Cowboys fans will, will feel really good about that. And 
I don't want to take too much of it because I remember we went on this exact podcast last year when, when you know, Dak broke his thumb and I was saying, man, like, what are we going to do? Like, this <laughs> doesn't this doesn't seem salvageable. And I was wrong. So no matter what happens, I don't want to overreact. But I think we can learn a lot from this game. I just think the you mentioned it. Snap one is the key because last year the Cowboys Achilles heel was that they just kept they kept getting they kept starting slow. We saw it against the Lions. We saw it against the Texans, specifically just over the back half of 2022. They kept killing themselves by just turning the ball over stupid penalties. And I was like, did you guys know you had a game today or did you did the schedule just get announced like five minutes ago? That's, that's the way it seemed like they were starting games. And so snap one, I just want to see them play. Just start the game hot. You know it's a 7 o'clock game, Dallas Cowboys, 7 o'clock Central Time. You know when you're playing, start getting, like, from snap one, I want to see the energy. This is, we've heard it from Gelkin. We've heard it from everybody we've talked to. This is one of the most talented Cowboys teams we've ever seen, or we've seen at least in my life in recent years, last 20 years. Just from snap one, play like it. And and that's the bottom line, right? And, you know, I wanted to talk about the next segment, which is how do the Cowboys lose? Like, how do they go about losing this game? And I think we kind of just touched on it, right? Mistake if you, if you go out there and play sloppy football, if you go out there and you make silly, you know, Cowboys-esque mistakes that we've grown accustomed to seeing with some undisciplined behavior, this is how this team can lose, right? Because I think this team has enough talent to just go out there and will themselves against a lot of different opponents, right? There may be some matchups where like the Cowboys are going to have to be on their A game and there are, but there's going to be some matchups this year where like, you know, for example, against Arizona, they're going to, if they just show up and not like puke all over themselves, they should be able to pummel Arizona, but like the giants aren't that opponent, right? So you got to go out there, have the mindset that like they are a better football team, but this is a formidable opponent. And if you get going this sleepwalking, you're going to get, you, you know, you're going to get put to bed. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if you want to expand upon anything else about how this team can lose, but I felt like we did a pretty good job of talking about what they can't do. And that's how it would result in them going on one. No, I think you nailed it. Perfect. Yeah, you're right. The Cowboys, the way that they lose is they beat themselves. I will say the two ways that the Cowboys lose just like conventionally would be a, like we talked about earlier, Saquon Barkley, just continually gashing us and like the defense, not being able to respond, not even making Daniel Jones pass it. Just like, four, five-yard runs, six-yard runs, the occasional 15-yard ripoff, and then you get play action out of that, and Daniel Jones just gets easy dump-offs to Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, just like simple like death by a thousand paper cuts football. That would be one way they lose. The other way they lose is just like, and this is something that like completely unprovable, if the Dable hype is just that real and Daniel Jones comes out here looking like, like think about year, year one to year two Josh Allen, I mean, I'm not calling for it and in no way am I predicting it. But if Daniel Jones lo- takes that big of a step and it's like year one to year two, Daniel Jones, he just looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback, like potential. It's like that would be the other way. I don't predict it. I don't see that happening, but I guess it it's kind of lies within the realm of possibility considering Dave Ball's already done it once with one quarterback. I would say that's part of my anxiety of week one and the opponent you play, right? Because you don't, they know better than you do about what they got, right? And they don't know what they're, they're holding. And, you know, you know, that they're not showing their cards until you show up and you're like, oh man, like this team is actually real. And they knew that they had a, a matchup to exploit yeah. and they've been doing that. So there's a lot of newness anxiety that comes with that. But you're right. I mean, what there's really two things that are going to happen when it comes to the cow, uh, excuse me, the Giants and, and their team. Daniel Jones is going to progress and they're going to be a better football team or he isn't 
and they're going to be the same old Giants or maybe Rugrats. So it, what's more likely? I think Brian Dayball's track record, I think the way they paid Daniel Jones, they are seeing things or expect things to be better. So um, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Cowboys are shooing to win because that's certainly not the case. And we'll kind of get into our last segment here. And I want to ask you, put you on the spot. We haven't done it yet. It's our first time. Give me Aiden Davis's official week one prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Who's going to pull out the W? Despite everything we've said, I do think the Cowboys get off to a slow start because it's week one and because it's the Cowboys and because they're, yeah, it's going to (laughs) happen. We're probably going to be walking into halftime with like a 7-3-10-3 football game. Mm. I'm predicting the final score to be, let's go 20 to 17 Cowboys, but I will say I am 50-50 about that. I could, wow. If you told me the Giants were going to win because the Cowboys just came out flat, they shot themselves in the foot, let's not overreact if the Cowboys lose. This is a decent Giants football team. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be claiming that the season's over. The hype's dead. We never should have hyped the Cowboys up. It's week one. Let's calm down if the Cowboys lose. But I, I like, I see the Cowboys losing, being in the realm, being in like it's only a three-point spread. This could be a close game, and so yeah. I'm predicting around there. I guess if it's like if the spread's three and a half, I guess I'm actually taking the Giants at plus three on this one. I'm saying twenty to seventeen. I think it's be close, but let's let's make it dramatic. Let's say it's a Brandon Aubrey. Close to walk off game winner to just give the new kicker some confidence. Mm. You know, I, I, it makes a lot of sense, and I expect that type of roller coaster atmosphere myself. Right, I think that we're going to see classic, you know, good play from Cowboys. We're going to see some lull in the game where the Giants look like they're getting some momentum. It's just the ebbs and flows of a sixty minute football game, right? I do have confidence, and my confidence comes from like. It has to happen, right? Like we've heard all off season about this team, you know, like you mentioned, Gelkin, you know, Yaumans, Harris, all these guys that work either for the team or around the team that said this is the most talented team they've been around. They got to show it. So yeah. I want to be skeptical and I want to ride the fence a little bit because it's week one and there's a lot of unknown. But I got to think that this team, I'm going to trust who we trust, right? The same people told us, trust him on clock. He looks like he's going to be a stud. Um so I'm going to say the Cowboys get it done. I think the defense plays slightly worse than we anticipated, and I think they give up 20 points, but I think the Cowboys offense scores 24 and then went 24 to 20 to open up the season. Um, offensively, you, you don't love 24. You want more than that, right? Defensively, they, I know they're not going to love giving up 20, but I think this is more of a respect for the Giants. And but at the same breath, they can learn a lesson and win a football game at the same time. I think the Cowboys are good enough for that. And then they're going to roll into a big matchup against the Jets and uh, we'll we'll really get this thing cranking. So a question for you, because of the because you mentioned a lot of hype, everybody we've talked to, one of the most talented Cowboys teams we've seen in a very long time. If the Cowboys come out and they lose this game, what level panic will you be at one to ten? Or let's say they even. Let's say A, the scenario where they win the game, and B, the scenario where they, or sorry, A, the scenario where they win the game, but it's very shaky. Like mm-hmm. Dak Prescott has two interceptions, Tony Pollard fumbles, and it's like a very ew win. Yeah. And then B, the scenario where the Cowboys lose. What would be your panic level in those two situations? I'll tell you what, there isn't any scenario that's going to make me nervous or panicky other than if Dak plays poorly. 
If Dak okay. comes out there and doesn't play well, like and he you know throws two picks or he's just a tick off or whatever the case may be, he just doesn't look like the guy that we're accustomed to seeing. That's the only thing to me that's gonna give me like some nervous energy because, like that's like that's the 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 straw that stirs the drink here, right? Like if Dak Prescott is. We've spent all our season talking about these numbers being a facade, right? With his with his interceptions and this isn't who he is and this isn't what he does. Like and we stand on that and I believe that wholeheartedly. He comes out and throws two interceptions with this improved wide receiver unit. They pull it out close or they lose as a result. There's gonna be a lot of talk around this football team for a whole week and it might never stop. So yeah, they can lose this game. If they lose this game, and and Dak goes three fifty for three touchdowns, and the defense just isn't good enough. I'm okay. I'll live with it because I expect the defense to turn around. If Dak's like you know fifty two percent completion percentage, two interceptions, maybe fumbles the ball, gets sacked a few times, and like he has that perplexed look in his face, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nervous. But outside of that, I just don't see a, a spot where I'm gonna be too overly worried. So even given the fact that the last. No, I guess just last year. Because week one, 2021, he lit it up against the Bucs. We just, our defense wasn't enough to get yeah. it done for us. But last year against the Bucs, like, didn't look yeah, great. That was, he had the that shoulder, was the right? horrible game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then broke so his you're thumb. right. I guess I, I don't know if I'll overreact to if Dak Prescott looks bad because it's week one with the Cowboys. It's always yeah. weird. If he then falls flat against the Jets, that's when I start panicking. Yeah. Well, it's a culmination for things for me, right? Like, how last year ended, the conversation around him, the rhetoric, which fair or not, if it bleeds into 2023, adding like, Trey Lance, right? I mean, if where he, I almost yeah. swore, I almost swore there, but you forget about Trey Lance. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a DAC thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. If, if this new offensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy, calling the shots, and they're trying to, and they always say this is an offensive friendly or a quarterback friendly offense where we're going to run everything around him and the things he's comfortable doing. And he looked like, you know, Picasso painting out there with the with Will Greer calling plays. Like he understands his offense and it looks good. If he doesn't go out there and produce physically, like I'm going to be a little nervous and I won't jump ship or anything like that. But it's the only thing that could happen that would make me have any type of pause. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is another episode of the First and Ten podcast. This one, really good, man. Really packed in with information. I hope you guys learned some things about the Giants, our new opponent here, coming up in week one. Moving forward, in most cases, we're going to be the review show. So it felt good to get out here and do some previewing of a game. <laughs> most, of, As you know, we release Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. So most of the time, we're going to be reacting to what has already happened. But it, it was good, man. I had, I had fun, Aiden. And uh, is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Please win, Cowboys. Dak look good. It. I don't want to. I don't want to have to deal with the national media and the questions of what if or Absolutely. what is this. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening to this, this is releasing on Labor Day. So if you're taking out time of your day off or you're enjoying, you know, having a cookout with some adult beverages, appreciate you guys listening to us. So another episode of the First Attempt Podcast. Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.